Okay, Chelsea, I have exactly four different openers we can do. Some of them are carryovers from last week. We're getting more and more every episode. Okay, it's Uber, Bank of America, or Rain. Bank of America. I want to say Rain, but I'm going to go Bank of America. Okay, this is an article from Ken Klippenstein and John Schwartz. I really like Ken Klippenstein. He's a good reporter at The Intercept. And there is a Bank of America memo that got leaked. And basically, should I read the headline? Yeah, let's read the headline. Unless it gives it all away in a lot of detail. Yeah. Bank of America memo revealed, quote, we hope, unquote, conditions for American workers will get worse. Okay, I think it gave just enough. Mm. A Bank of America executive stated that we hope working Americans will lose leverage in the labor market in recent private memos obtained by The Intercept. Making predictions for clients about the U.S. economy over the next several years, the memo also noted that changes in the percentage of Americans seeking jobs should help push up the unemployment rate. The memo, a mid-year review from June 17th, was written by Ethan Harris, the head of global economics research for the corporation's investment banking arm, Bank of America Securities. Its specific aspiration, by the end of the year, we hope the ratio of job openings to unemployed is down to the more normal highs of the last business cycle. The memo comes amid a push by the Federal Reserve to cool down the economy informed by much of the same rationale, that high wages are driving inflation this year and that the Fed has increased interest rates for the first time since 2018. Historically, this has often caused recessions, and that is exactly what appears to be happening now. The Commerce Department reported Thursday that the gross domestic product has fallen for the second quarter in a row, indicating that a recession may have already begun. Parts of the Mid-Year Review in particular, its emphasis on a looming recession received press coverage at the time of the memo's release to clients. This is the first publication of the full document in full. Please give it a read if you want. It is quite long and in-depth, but I, it really pisses you off when people who make a lot of money are saying the problem with inflation and the economy in general are poor make people making too much money and that they hope the conditions for American workers gets worse so that the inflation doesn't get out of control. That, that's what I got. If you want to learn more, please read the article. It's on The Intercept. It was posted July 29th, 2022. Anything to add, Chels? No, not to that. (laughs) Okay, with that, let's get this episode going. Let's go. From the unexplained to the mundane, come join us on a journey to the fringe. Hello and welcome to Journey to the Fringe, where we make pronunciation fun. No need to pay the big bucks to pronounce enologists, as they are charging too much these days. We'll probably eventually say it for way cheaper. We are your pronouncing pros, Taylor and Chelsea, here today talking about something that Chelsea has researched, so I will let her take it over. We've really proved ourselves as pronouncing pros, I think, overall, over this whole podcast. We've said a lot of things correctly. We've said everything correctly, as Pretty far much, as I'm yeah. concerned. In prop, in, in exact perfect accent and everything, every episode. So, yeah. This week, to let everybody in on my secret episode, mini episode, I think I've been working on. I might surprise everyone. This might be a regular episode. We don't know. Well, surprise even myself. (laughs) This week, keeping up on my own theme of creepy humanoids that I made up as I went. What creepier humanoid? Oh, yeah, it's about creepy humanoids, by the way. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. (laughs) What creepier humanoid to cover than random creepy humanoids? Am I right? So long as they're not in the water. Not so creepy, right? Wrong. Creepiest. Equally creepy. Other than Ninjin, Taylor, do you know off the top of your head of any other creepy humanoids? Please say one that's probably in this episode. Crawlers are pretty terrifying. 
That's what this episode started with. And then they were a little hard to find information on. So in a future episode, I will spend more time looking at a crawler. But for now, I went with things that were easier to find information on for this one. Okay. So you didn't do it. You didn't remote view this one. Apparently, there are a lot of humanoid cryptids. If you Google this, there's hundreds. Every area on the planet has its own creepy humanoid legend, or so I think. Yeah, I I do think part of that is just because humans really like to see humans or human shapes and things, like the face on Mars. familiar. And just creepy legends of old times of ye in which you had to make up creepy things to keep the kids from playing and falling over a cliff to their death. There had to be like creepy humanoids that would come and snatch you if you left the area, of course. Yeah, well, that end, there were also always other tribes just outside of your tribe's area which you you needed to make up stories as well as to why we don't like them or why to stay away from them. Exactly. And also in a lot of parts of the world too, there's just monkeys and apes that can look like humans. very And are also creepy humanoid type things. Yeah. And some of them like to steal alcohol. So (laughs) there's that. Okay, let's begin. So what do I mean when I say humanoid cryptid? So typically they have one or more of these characteristics in addition to being human looking. That means two eyes in brackets binocular vision. I didn't put that in by the way. I just it just is there. Binocular vision means you have two eyes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) That's not my point. It doesn't mean you can (laughs) zoom in. The ability to walk upright biomechanic bipedalism. That is a fucking scientific word if I've ever heard one. Posable this is a good thumbs. pronunciation episode. <laughs> I saved it for the one where you said that we were pronunciators. You have opposable thumbs or the cryptid has opposable thumbs. Could you imagine something that was totally not humanoid figured but had opposable thumbs? And you're like, yes. Just gave thumbs up <laughs> all the time. Yeah. Or opens doors. Not quite human-like, like human mixed with another animal anthropomorphic, such as Phil from Hercules. A Disney cartoon, not in mythology. The ability- yes, the noble. <laughs> the noble what? It's a pan. That's the half goat, half human thing. Yeah. What is it called again? A pan. Is it called a pan? Yeah. I'll never look at my pans the same way again. I wonder if they're named after them. You wouldn't think so, no. <laughs> they probably came before pans. Ability to build structures, very humanoid thing to do, and can communicate with other humanoid. Where did I get this list? Under <laughs> Seems well put together anyhow. And first but not best, I figured that was the best alternative to saying last but not least. It's something you start with. Here we go. Dear man, and it's first but not best. Different than Wendigo, not covered in this episode by the way. I'm naming quite a few things that are not covered in this episode so far. Crawlers and Wendigo. Next up, something we're covering, Deer Man. Ninja, also not in this (laughs) episode. Yes, exactly. But in a previous episode. Deer Man is a hybrid animal. Deer Man has the antlered head of a great stag, a human's torso, and legs described as similar to either those of a man or deer. In addition, it is usually said to be well-muscled and surprisingly fast for its size. Well muscled. Other accounts gift the beast with the power to transform itself from a regular deer into the form described above. I'm gonna describe that for you again. Chelsea, I'm just curious, have you described a kangaroo by chance? Some kangaroos that I've seen on social media, yes. Really yeah. ripped ones. Deer like but freaking ripped. Yeah. <laughs> 
I actually said well-muscled. <laughs> Sorry, well-muscled individual. Yes, thank you. Yes, however, I didn't see a tale described. Deer Man is spotted randomly around the United States, and here's an account from an anonymous witness. Oh, it was getting dark, and I was the one searching. <laughs> I don't feel like I proofread this episode. <laughs> Not sure what he was searching for. Okay, we're back to the quote. I heard leaves crumpling, and when I turned to look, I saw what looked like a deer on its hind legs. I clearly remember seeing dog legs running. The rest of the body was straight up, and it ran with incredible speed, and I knew it wasn't either of my cousins hiding. I ran as fast as I could back to the house, and one of my cousins was running in too. He saw the same thing. It still creeps me out to this day because my uncle always told us how he saw weird things on that property. So let's just recap. I'm pretty sure they're playing hide-and-seek. Not 100% sure, though. And that's your man. <laughs> just give you a little taste of your man so that it leaves you wanting more. Next up, Qualipalic. The pronunciation on that was perfect. Qualipalic are creatures from Inuit legend. They're often described as having scaly and bumpy skin, not unlike a sculpin. We all know what that is, right? It is said that these are ugly creatures and that they reek of sulfur. They are, oh, sulfur. They're also said to have long hair, green skin, and long fingernails. So the Qualipic like to steal children and no one really knows why. It could be because they like the company. Yeah, right. Oh, shit. It looks like a ninja with hair. <gasps> I have to check behind me. Okay. Oh, shit. Chelsea, did you see this photo of it? No. Just looking at you from under the ice? No, I'm not going to search it. I was about to until you said that. Here, I'll show you. I don't want to. Are you showing me? One sec. It's not behind me, is it? Yeah, just turn around. <laughs> there it is. The Calipolic. Oh, my, oh, my God. That is a ninja. Yeah. Ugh. Oh, thank you. Where's its hair? Okay, can we end the stream just now? stares at you from under the ice. Yeah, that's the general gist of the thing. Oh my god, that's creepy. There's that one. The sea. <laughs> With glowing red <laughs> eyes. Evil Look at its paw. Is that an opposable thumb? It's giving the thumbs up <laughs> like a fucking demon. I like that one. You cannot close the door on me. <laughs> Many stories of the Qualipalic tell of them wearing either duck clothing with a large pouch on their back to carry children in, and the Qualipalic hide in the ocean, waiting for children to play alone on the beach or near the breaking ice. Usually the Qualipalic jump out of the water and grab children without any warning. Sometimes, however, you can hear them knocking under the ice. Super creepy. Interesting, because the, the sound of like knocking on ice would also be a sign of like the ice cracking. Yes. So like, yeah, they're, they're very much so warnings of kids drowning. Yes. And not only that, but not going near the ice unattended. Yeah. But. Although it is interesting that it does have the association of sulfur, the smell of sulfur, right? which is just a general cryptid issue. It is. Yes. Not only cryptid, but UFO as well. And mm -hmm. ghosts, like anything paranormal mm -hmm. really has sulfur associated with it ufos as well as they go hand in hand with aliens some elders have said that if the ocean begins to become wavy in an area or steam begins to rise from the ocean a qualipilic might be hiding under the water and i don't know if you remember this there is this book that i used to love as a kid called uh, promise is a promise and yet to be confirmed you would think i would have looked into this it's pretty on par for this episode it sounds like exactly 
exactly like this creature and I'm pre and it's the star of this book and I'm pretty sure that this is what a promise is a promise is based on. I love the graphics on that book and I've always loved that book. Really good. Highly recommend. Next up, Melon Heads. And of course it was going to be included in on this episode. They're said to be large-headed, short-of-stature beings who are either shy and reclusive or malicious and aggressive, depending on the legend. Some of the wilder origins surrounding the Melonheads insist the beings are either government experiments gone awry or human-alien hybrids. The Melonheads will prey upon humans who enter their territory, so probably just stay away from where they're most prominently seen, which is Ohio, Michigan, and Connecticut. That seems easy enough. In Ohio, the Heads, for short, are abandoned children that scientist Dr. Crow, I'm assuming was an evil doctor, decided to take care of at his facility and during their stay the good doctor performed see that sounds like a good doctor yeah and you're just a good doctor yeah the good evil doctor this is not an evil doctor <laughs> yeah. i'm giving mixed messages okay <laughs> the torturous experiments on them eventually injecting chemicals into their brains causing them to grow grotesquely large earning them their names which was the doctor's wait whole they grew Objective. large all over or just their heads? Just their heads. Hence melon heads. Okay. Okay. That That's why I wanted to know. <laughs> and really, isn't a, a giant head better than living out on the streets? <laughs> what? <laughs> Wasn't that oh, the option? True. The doctor saved them and gave them a roof yeah. over their head. Yes. yes, it is. This also apparently made them mentally ill. That seems backwards. But it's not. I guess he's not filling not that head with story. brain. Yep. Yeah. No, he's filling their heads with mental illness. After the murder of the evil scientist, Doctor, the heads decided to inhabit the forest of Crybaby Bridge. I couldn't not put that in. To survive, the melon heads feast on any animals that they hunted down. Because of their paranoia of society, the heads kill and cannibalize anyone that sees them. To keep the heads cult going, they have kept inbreeding, making the offspring even more raving and paranoid. And I'm not sure actually ha how this myth is perpetuated by no sightings because anyone who cites them has been eaten by them so in the long As, yeah i i i feel like a, a a giant head would inhibit your ability to move is it just their sheer numbers it may be it may be it might be no i got nothing like do they always see them at like the bottom of a hill and they just roll themselves down on their melon heads at you I'm picturing a cartoon where somebody was making their brain bigger and bigger. And they is this Zim? No, I feel like it's Gib or something like that on Invader Zim. And then he has to wheel his head around because it's so big. Maybe it's not Invader Zim. But that's kind of what I'm picturing. Maybe I made it up. I don't know. But these, again, these kids have mental challenges. Yeah, obviously with their big heads. But they can catch everybody. Okay. Okay. I'm just making sure we're on the same page. Yeah, we totally are. This is from... But there's a real doctor's name associated with this. So... Surely exactly. This true. is definitely a real doctor from Ohio. This is a good doctor. This is the Ohio version of events. <laughs> and in the longest segue I have in this episode, we move on to Michigan, where they're said to reside around felt the Nash melon baller state. Yes, and. <laughs> And Crybaby Bridge is nowhere to be seen in Michigan. They're also seen in other areas other than Felt Mansion. And they were originally and probably still children with hydrocephalus, 
lived at the Junction Insane Asylum. And so they're all mentally ill in all these stories, I think. And after enduring physical and emotional abuse, they became feral mutants and were released into the forest surrounding the asylum, which I believe that's still a practice today where if any of the patients at an insane asylum become feral mutants, you just release them into the woods surrounding. I I even think it's in pharmaceutical testings. Yeah. If they go awry, you just release the people. If it gets too bad, you just release them back into nature and hope everything takes care of itself. Yeah. 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 Allegen County Historical Society asserts that the asylum never existed. Although it was at one point a prison. They would say that. Yeah. But at, they do say <laughs> at, that it was at one point a prison. So I'm not sure where the confusion lies in that sentence because it does imply that it once existed as an asylum before being a prison. Legend says that the children devised a plan to escape and kill the doctor that abused them. It is said that the children had no place to hide the body so they cut it up into small pieces which they hid around the mansion. So there seems to be a lot of confusion just in oh, okay. the statement in general because originally they were yeah. just let out into the wood and now they devised a plan to escape. Well, we fucked up. See ya. Yeah. Good luck. A little proofreading would have gone a long way on this episode, but I'm just rolling with it. This is a mini episode, guys. I think it's, I I like the fluidity of it. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was going for. Okay, Connecticut. We're keeping the fluid. There are two, that sounded so wrong. In the head. (laughs) There are two main legends. The first variation of the myth, there are more. Well, there are more. It, Connecticut has two versions. Fairfield County was the location of an asylum for the criminally insane. So there's just a lot of... Insane asylums? Insane asylums. The word I'm looking for is... I always forget my words when I need a word. There's a lot of connections between these stories. Yes. Oh, yeah. We're weaving a connected web. Yeah, because they are. they all came from insane asylums. Situated all across the United States. Yeah. I personally bring it back to Reagan. And shutting down the sanitariums in the 80s. Yeah. He's responsible for the, the melon kids. Yeah. <laughs> it's his fault. It's on him. Which is probably why the Cabbage Patch Kids came into prominence oh, around that oh time, Oh, my God. That wasn't even mentioned in here. But you heard Those it here Those must have been experiments that went wrong, and they released them into the Cabbage Patch. Yeah, exactly. Where people picked them and gave them to children. Unsuspecting children. <laughs> There's two main legends in Connecticut, in case we forgot where we were. Fairfield County was the location of an asylum for the criminally insane that burned down in the fall of 1960, resulting in the death of all of the staff and most of the patients, with 10 to 20 inmates unaccounted for, supposedly having survived and escaped to the woods. Legend states that the heads, as I call them, appearance is the result of them having resorted to cannibalism in order to survive the harsh winters of the region, and due to inbreeding, which in turn caused them to develop hydrocephalus. According to the second variation, the Melonheads are descendants of the colonial era family from Shelton Trumbull, who were banished after accusations of witchcraft were made against them, causing them to retreat into the woods. As with the first legend, this variation attributes the appearance of the Melonheads to inbreeding. So there's those. Okay, next one. Matlocks. Not Matlock. Matlocks. More than one. Okay, well, I wanted to stay away from the Bigfoot-type creatures on here. I mean, I do have a deck of wild cards in this episode. I really wanted to shock everybody with what I pulled out of my hat here. And boy, have I not let down so far. But I had already clicked on this one, and once I did, I couldn't not relay this information all to you. Matlocks 
is a Bigfoot-like cannibal giant described in legends in Western Canada. I happen to reside here, and not only have I never heard once about this being, but I just unlocked a new fear. And I may unlock a new fear for you after you hear about Matlocks. Matlocks is described as being covered in stiff black hair, sort of like a grizzly, <laughs> having a large head similar to that of a human's, sharp fangs, kind of like a grizzly, long arms and claws on each of its fingers and toes, kind of like a grizzly. Jose Mariano Monsino, a Spanish naturalist, writes in his book Noticias de Nutca, an account of Nutca Sound in 1792 with a description of the giant. I do not know what to say about Matlocks, inhabitant of the mountainous district, of who all have an unbelievable terror. Imagine his body as very monstrous, all covered with stiff black bristles, a head similar to a human one, but with much greater, sharper, and stronger fangs than those of a bear. Extremely long arms and toes and fingers, armed with long curved claws. It shouts, they say, force those who hear them to the ground. And any unfortunate body he slaps is broken into a thousand pieces. So the concerning part when I read that is that he says his shouts alone, they say, force those who hear them to the ground, implying that he has not witnessed the witness that he is quoting about. No, it, it sounds, yeah, very much so third-partied. Yeah, it may be a bear. It may not. He does discern it from a bear, but he himself has not seen the bear. So he has not. And I, I don't know many bears though that can slap you into a thousand pieces. <laughs> they would shred you a little. And that was my gift to you, as is this whole episode about the Matlocks. Now let's move on. As I'm sure we're all eagerly awaiting the last humanoid that I chose to include on this episode. Again, as I may have just showed you there is no rhyme or reason to which humanoid I included in this episode only which ones I felt and I have good feelings about things obviously last but not least lizard man of scape or swamp I've heard of this guy before this lizard man is not associated with lizard people the race of creatures said to control the world <laughs> by disguising themselves as politicians and government officials the reptilians some may call them no this guy sticks to the swamps around Lee County, uh, which is in South Carolina, and enjoys terrifying citizens in their cars, among other antics. Antics. And due to the damage, got quite a bit of publicity. First mention of sightings started back in the 80s. The lizard man is generally described as being 7 feet tall, bipedal, and bulky. Covered in dark hair with scaly lizard-like skin on his hands, feet, and face. It is said to have three toes on each foot and three fingers on each hand. The creature has an incredible degree of strength, more than capable of ripping into a car. A few witnesses had reporting seeing a tail, although in a majority of cases a tail was not seen. The first modern reported sighting of the creature was made by George Holliman Jr. in the fall of 87, but it was the report by Christopher Davis, a 17-year-old local man, that made the lizard man famous. Oh, thank God. Davis said he encountered the creature while driving home from work at 2 a.m. on June 29, 1988. According to his account, Davis stopped on a road bordering Scape or Swamp in order to change a tire which had blown out. When he was finishing up, he reported how 
having heard a thumping noise from behind him and having turned around to see the creature running towards him. Holy shit. Davis said the creature tried to grab at the car and then jumped on its roof as he tried to escape, clinging onto it as Davis swerved from side to side in an effort to throw it off. Okay, why was it going after the car? Usually wild animals would go after something that's moving, not just the car that's sitting there and want to like rip into it. <laughs> right? Have, have you seen The Jerk? Yes, of course. With Steve Martin like a long time ago. Yeah. Do you know that part where the sniper's trying to kill him? Oh, and he understands that it's him hitting the cans. I can't remember. So he thinks that the sniper who's trying to kill him is actually just, hate. he hates cans, so he's been shooting cans. <laughs> it, it clearly could just be that kind of misunderstanding. <laughs> the lizard man hates cars. Is really trying to kill this guy, but just really bad at it. Ah, yes, I like the theory. Back to Davis. After he returns home, Davis's side view mirror was found to be badly damaged. The side view mirror, can you believe it? And scratch marks were found on the car's roof, though there was no physical evidence of his encounter. What the fuck? I, there's, if there's damage on the car roof, <laughs> that physical evidence. Okay. I look back at, oh, this is a quote from Davis. I looked back and saw something running across the field towards me. It was about 25 yards away and I saw red eyes glowing. I ran into the car and as I locked it, the thing grabbed the door handle. I could see him from the neck down with the three big fingers, long black nails and green rough skin. He was strong and angry. I looked in my mirror and saw a blur of green running. I could see his toes and then he jumped on the roof of my car. I thought I heard a grunt and then I could see his fingers through the front windshield where they curled around the roof. I sped up and swerved to shake the creature off. Hold on. So he's just giving a completely different account of his original encounter. Is this what's happening here? I think that's where he's going with this. Okay. In the month that followed the Davis sighting, there were several further reports of a large lizard-like creature and of unusual scratches and bite marks found on cars parked close to the swamp. Okay, so this creature is specifically going after parked cars. Most of them are said to have occurred within a three-mile radius of the swamps in Bishopville. That's five kilometers for everyone not in the United States. At the time, local law enforcement officials reacted to reports of the lizard man with a mixture of concern and skepticism, stating that a sufficient number of sightings had been made but apparently reliable people for them to believe that something tangible was being seen, but also that it was likely to be a bear than a lizard man, and probably also that the eyewitnesses are giving differing accounts of the same encounter. I I'm pretty sure that's what's happening here. Correct me if I'm wrong. No, that's, yeah. that seems about right. It does, doesn't it? Two weeks after the Davis sighting, the Sheriff's Department made several plaster casts of what appeared to be three-toed footprints measuring some 14 inches, 36 centimeters in length, but decided against sending them to the FBI for further analysis after biologists advised them that they were unclassifiable. According to South Carolina Marine Resource Department spokesperson Johnny Evans, the tracks neither matched nor could be mistaken for the footprints of any recorded animal. Evans also dismissed the possibility that they could have been made from some sort of mutated creature. The dinosaurid definitely a word hypothesis has been criticized for being overly anthropomorphic for theropod evolution the sightings attracted tourists interested in seeing the creature and hunters interested in tracking it and nearby radio station wcos offered one million dollar reward to anybody who could capture the creature alive however reports of the creature became declined at the end of that summer with the last credible sighting of the year being reported in july 
I'm not sure if that's this year or 1988. So there you have it. I would assume 1988. I'm not sure. There is my highly researched, very credible, well thought out episode on random humanoid cryptids for your little mini episode for this week. Any closing thoughts? I did just want to add, because I, I thought we we're going to focus more on the deer man, but we've moved off it so fast. No, I decided that melon heads were where I was going to focus my time on this one. And okay. not only was there no rhyme or reason to what I covered, there is no rhyme or reason to the information I put in or how, how long it would be. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. But I really um, wanted to talk a bit. I did want to talk a bit about chronic wasting disease in um, deer <gasps> yes, in please. North America. Yeah. Okay, because they can make, like, uh, prions are one hell of a disease to get. We're not going to get into what they are here. They're a very specific type of disease. Deer can get it. It's called chronic wasting disease. And they make them act absolutely fucking insane. And this is a story. It's I don't know if it's an urban legend or not, but it's one's always shared on Reddit. I've seen it a ton of times. I've read this one, too, and it's actually ones. really yeah. creepy to read. Yeah. I have no idea if it's true, but here it is. I was hunting with my grandfather on my 19th birthday, about a year ago, and we both watched deer slam its head into a rock until its antlers and skull were shattered. Once its brains were everywhere, it tried to lick them up. It looked like it couldn't even use its jaw or tongue right, so it just stood upright like a fucking human, just walked into the river and died. We left immediately, and my granddad was fucking terrified. I haven't been near woods since, and he moved to Florida with my grandmother for, quote, safety reasons reasons unquote i can't even imagine seeing something like that yeah but yeah i'd be curious if chronic wasting disease can explain both that and deer man sightings because they can make deer act weird i'm sure that it could explain a lot of things because anytime something's acting out of the ordinary you don't know how to describe it right yeah which can account for cryptids and stuff like that yeah yeah, I've read those and they're super creepy. Just any animal acting out of the ordinary is super weird. Like seals giving... But yeah, that's up. all I wanted to add. Just because I really like that story and I finally found a uh, reason to talk about it in this podcast. Oh, good. So there we go. So this episode did have meaning. Yes. That was it. And now we are done. Our podcasting is done. <laughs> we have completed all goals. It's the circle of life. Yes. But anyhow, stay tuned next week where you see whether or not we have in fact completed all goals casting hats. <laughs> Thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to Journey to the Fringe. If you have liked what you have listened to, please like, share, subscribe, or follow, depending on what venue you are listening to us through. Also, please, if possible, leave a five-star review, as that really helps us in the algorithms. Should you wish to interact with us, please check us out on your social media of choice. I bet you we are there. And if you really want to communicate with us and give us ideas for new episodes, or tell us that we're wrong and terrible, either way, please send us an email at journeytothefringe at gmail.com. For now, I'll see you in the next episode. Hey.